Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Views from the 573 Podcast, the first of two podcasts coming to you guys this week. Later on this week, we got our NFL mock draft coming up. It's almost that time of year where we got the NFL draft. We're all excited to see what our teams are going to do, who's going to be the potential future stars of our teams and the other teams around the league. So we're going to be getting together later on this week, doing a mock draft. Excited to be doing that. Coming up on this first pod this week, however, something uh, special. One of these ideas that I talked with the guys about, you know, in this current climate, we, we need some stuff to do. There's not a whole lot of sports going around. And so just get together who, with friends, whoever, and just, you know, kind of hang out and talk. And so this is going to be one of those pods. I tried to do this with Jace a couple months ago. I really like the idea. It's giving me some other ideas for as to what to do for both pods. So you you might be seeing Jace on some movie pods because of that. So because of that, we're doing this pod today. And with me, I got my good friend Grant Marshall. It's been a while since he's been on. I believe since the early days of the podcast. But he's going to be on today. We're going to have a fun time talking about you know sports are going to come up. Uh, we're going to have a great time talking about. It. But before that. Let's hear from our sponsor for every podcast on Views Entertainment as well. Let's hear from Anchor. All right, now we're here with my good friend, like I said at the top. It's been a while since he has been on. I believe, if I'm remembering right, it's been about since maybe the third or fourth pod since of the original views podcast since he's been on but he's back today my good friend grant marshall how you doing buddy i'm doing good it's fine it's good to finally be back like you said it's been a while since i've been on the pod i've been listening in i'm just glad to finally be back and talk some uh some good stuff yeah like i'm trying to think back 2017 uh i think you, you were on and then i think i had joey on after you and that's when I did the NCAA tournament with him. So it's been a minute. And we tried to get podcasts later on after that where it's you, me, and him. And we would just sit down and debate stuff. But I think there was one time where, like, I guess Joey forgot or he dipped out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, we've had a lot of stuff going on. It would have been a pretty good episode. Yeah, it would have, and uh, I think that could be something, you know, we got a lot of time on our hands, and we can we can debate some fun stuff, you know, with sports. So I think that might be something I could be looking into a little bit later on, but yeah, it's been a few years since you've been on the pod, so I guess, what's up? What you've been doing uh, these few years since you've been on the pod? What's been going on? Well, like you know, finally finished college, and Started working as a teacher assistant at elementary school in Crothersville. And then in this past May, I had a few interviews down here. And then I accepted a position as a fifth grade elementary school teacher down here in Crothersville. So since then, I've been doing that, coaching football. And then I started coaching baseball, middle school baseball assistant coach. And just the other day, I got promoted to head coach of middle school baseball. Oh, and so just yeah, the school life, the coach life, and it's it's been uh it's been a heck of a ride so far. We've had 
a lot of learning experiences, up and downs with coaching, football, teaching, <laughs> and then so everything that's been going on here lately, it's been it's been a, a crazy year so far. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember, you know, leading up to before we were recording this, I, how did you get necessarily into teaching? Because if I remember, like it was you were majoring in some sort of science. And then it was like accounting and then got the <laughs> teaching. And, you know, I went through uh, our old yearbooks, our old high school yearbooks. Every now and then I'll look back through them. I look at who the student teaching was. It wasn't you that was a part of it. It was Ethan. Yeah. I, you know, I did a lot of tutoring in high school and everything. So I always liked, and I, you know, I definitely helped my friends. So I always liked teaching and everything, but I just didn't think that'd be the career I would choose. And so like you said, I went into college and I started out actually as a county major and then I switched to nursing and oh. then, uh, yeah. And then I was like, man, let me just go into teaching and everything. If everything had worked out the way at SEMO, I'd have been doing this other degree and it basically is a, st a stats degree, but SEMO didn't offer the degree all the way until my senior, until our senior year and everything. And closest one was SIU and everything. Yeah. And I really would have liked done, doing statistics and everything and all that. But uh, I like teaching pretty pretty well and everything. Yeah, so you mentioned you're, you come back here, you're teaching fifth grade. And let me just say, so you're working with my mom, which I'll just tell you right from the start, it's weird. Uh, <laughs> even my mom is saying it, it, it's weird. It's really weird. She's talked to other teachers that are saying it too, saying, you know, I can still remember when they were teaching, uh, us at the elementary school and now they're working with you, your coworkers. Yeah, I, it is pretty crazy. How weird is it for you? I, I mean, I gotta imagine it has to be. Uh, it, it's very weird seeing like, uh all the old teach older teachers and people who we grew up with and now being a coworker and it's like one I remember when I was in second grade I always went to if I was good I got to go to Angie Singleton's room yeah and so all the way back then and now she works with me side by side every day in fifth grade so <laughs> going from all these dynamics I had with all these teachers then and now i got to know them personally and our dynamic has changed right. and it is pretty weird how i'm pretty good friends with a bunch of 40 year olds or 50 year olds <laughs> and a bunch of older people and then seeing how they are in personal life compared to how we saw them as grown-ups and parents and teachers yeah so the perspective has changed a whole lot now now that you're on the other side you know it, you see you're seeing them as students and now you're on the other side and you're understanding, you know, what they kind of had to go through uh, when you when they were teaching us. Uh, it, it's really strange, but nonetheless, uh, I want to know this. I want to know if it's true for you with uh, with you and teaching now from. So, you know, in college, our professors will tell us, you know, and subsequently in later years in high school, this is how it's going to be. This is what you're going to go through. You're going to have to do this, this, and this, and you're, you're going to go through all of this uh, as well. Is that true for you? Has any of what your professors kind of hold held true so far? 
Uh, yes and no, you know, just I guess it kind of depends on the situation. I don't know. It's tough giving you just no clear out answer. I don't know, you know, it just depends on what's going on and everything. Some of the stuff, what they said rang true, and I feel like some of the stuff they said didn't and everything. It just depends, honestly. So, and you mentioned you're also coaching here as well, and that's something, uh, for those of you who don't know, we were also roommates back at SEMO uh, for yes, sir. about a year and a half. And uh, I, I can't remember, you were out there, you were going, uh, went to various high schools and learning about coaching, uh, all this stuff. And then you come on to uh, come back here and you're an assistant coach here on the football team, coaching offensive line, defensive line. Now, I, I got to imagine this perspective has changed in that regard, going from player to coach, you know, in a fairly short amount of time, I'd imagine. Oh, uh, yes, it definitely has. You finally, I mean, I could finally see how much effort and work it is to become a coach and everything. You know, you don't see all the hours and things that they got to do or deal with players' behavior, trying to get them out of trouble or the countless hours you spend up there on Sundays and on the weekend meeting together, doing film or doing little things around the facilities and all kinds of stuff. I really didn't think that all that stuff went into it, but it's it was a, it's a lot of work and coaches definitely don't get the praise that they deserve, especially like if you know if you're losing or something like that, everybody hates you and yeah everything despite the hard work you put in i mean we did a a lot of coaching it's just sometimes you know the players just didn't care and everything but we still put in that work and effort to try and get them to where we needed them to be yeah and you know i'm you know you're, you're coming back you're coaching you're doing all this and uh there's one instance in which you told me which i thought you know this is cool and it kind of i mean we we have fun a little bit, you know. You, uh, I I mean, you would want this happen. You, me, and others call you. You know, this guy's gonna be Bill Belichick right here in a few <laughs> years. Uh, just uh, keep him away from your t- footballs. It might deflate him a little bit. <laughs> but like, there's one instance in where you were telling me about there's a specific play between you and a coach where you saw uh, tendencies of what the defense was doing. And I believe it was like on a like a tunnel screen pass. And yes, it was. It was nice. Yeah. So like, tell me about tell me about that because I'm pretty sure like players will oftentimes not see that. Like, tell me what were you seeing? Like, how was it? Was it vindicating that you were actually kind of seeing that working with coaches uh, in that regard? Yeah. So uh, you know, all season and just special to about Crowsville football history, the tunnel. Tunnel screen is always a big play for the Crowsville Tigers with the athletes we got. And so, you know, of course, the other coaches, they key on that specifically. And they really try, you know, coach their players to once they see the tunnel screen, especially for the outside linebacker. In this instance, he bit on it so hard the first time we ran it. And so I noticed that. And so I told our offensive coordinator, how hard the outside linebacker was biting on that tunnel screen. Right. And so then we came back to it two plays later, but said we did a fake. And so he bit so hard on that, and we had our uh, wide receiver 
do a fade and it was wide open and touchdown. And so, you know, it felt pretty good to see that tendency of him overplaying the situation and not being disciplined enough to see that where it's a fake. And so it's just wide open touchdown. It was pretty nice. I mean, that you got to be feeling pretty good. You're probably feeling more like Josh McDaniels right there. A little bit. <laughs> yes, it, it was a good feeling and everything to see that and help the team out in that way. I will tell you, the one thing that is drastically different from today and from our days back, surprisingly, like 10 years ago, if you think about long enough, 10 years ago, is that our teams were a whole lot bigger back in the day. Where we had, you know, the Strickland brothers, we had Lamar, we had Kendrick Bradley, uh, Joey. We had a lot more bigger guys uh, comparative to now. What do you think about that? Is that kind of shocking to you? Like, do you, do you think we'll see any more uh, bigger guys coming up through the ranks? Well, here's the thing that I've noticed talked with the other coaches. There's a bunch of kids that are not playing football anymore. It's like in high school, there were several kids that were 6'2", 6'3", about two or three of them. And one said he just strictly wanted to play baseball. Two, another two just didn't play sports. And so think of that. And they played when they were younger and everything. They just had no want to play anymore. So I think that had been two or three other boys, 6'2", 6'3", big boys. They definitely could have came in handy, especially as the season went on. And we had a freshman starting the playoffs and behind him we had no depth we literally it, it was tough we had to start one kid who was a sophomore and maybe he'll be good eventually it's just he didn't really know the plays or yeah anything so i mean just think we could have had two or three other big boys out there for the for the o-line and d-line and same way that was for skill boy skill uh skill group too i know there was one boy when i was coaching uh flag football and it's it's actually Jimmy Jackson's nephew. His name is Jamal. Yeah. Out there, Odellin things and flag football in sixth grade. I was amazed by his athletic ability, but then he just didn't didn't want to play football. And see him at the rigs out there dunking. He's a sophomore or junior now. Just think how much he would have came in handy. He'd have been yeah. a beast out there. They just don't kids don't want to play football and sports as much as they used to. Just like with middle school baseball, we had. Nine kids on our team. Oh, man. That's, that's crazy. And seventh and eighth grade combined. Just kids aren't wanting to play as much as they used to. Yeah, I mean, like, I know, like, I attempted to play football, and, you know, I had that one too early, but, you know, after I got a taste of the action, i.e., I got my so shoulders separated, uh, <laughs> I, I, I figured it was like, yeah, it's not for me. But, like, I think if you have that one two, that'll come in handy. And like you said, like you're not seeing a whole lot of kids out there. Like I, w I would dare go as far as say is that the kids around here like to play basketball a whole lot more and would want to do that. I mean, yes, it's a, it's a whole lot less of a commitment and on your body, on your mind. Seeing some of you out there, hundred degree weather, out there practicing, hitting and. All that it's tough, even when it gets colder and you're out there playing in the rain and cold, yeah. and it's it's not for everybody. I mean, uh, we see it at the wreck. We used to go and hoop at the wreck every day. Well, like you you still probably do, uh, but like I I stopped going and like you would see these guys out there, these young guys. We would be paying attention, 
Like, these guys had some talent. You know, if they put their mind to it, you know, did that, kept good grades in school, like, hey, there's a chance that if you're good enough, people will notice you. We've seen it. We not yes. only see it here, but we've seen it over uh, in Haytai, too. You know, William Moore, for example. Uh, Ivory Winters, just here recently. We've seen that happen before. So, I think if, you know, you get kids that have that one-two and have that same one-two as far as getting grades together, I mean, I think you, you'll turn out some very good kids and you'll get some good ball players. I mean, that's what we need because we've really been good here for really the last decade, I feel like. Now, yes, I remember, like, right before we got into high school that we struggled for a few years and then, like, a year or two before we got there, we started to make our way back. And then we had our years, and then the years after that, we've been pretty good. Uh, and I can, I, I really hope, you know, with you on the coaching staff and uh, with all the other coaches on there as well, that uh, it can continue. Because even though I might not be able to go to the games, I hope we're still doing good. And yeah, Yes, just the thing is, it's just the kids, I don't know, it's crazy. That I'm like, seriously, they're not wanting to play anymore. As soon as our JV season was over in football, everybody basically on the JV team quit. Oh, literally down to 20 kids during playoffs or less. And we had starters skipping practice every single Monday, probably about five of them. I mean, you can't kick them off the team because then we won't have a football team. Yeah. Everything. It's just the kids, their mindset. Uh, the past few years since we left school, I think with social media, video games, every, the culture is changing, and it's crazy. And maybe it's, I mean, the people say it's just not a, just, not just around here; it's everywhere. It Youth is. involvement in sports and everything, and I mean, it's just crazy. In the past five to ten years, everything's changing. Yeah, you, you're talking about the culture is changing, and you know we're not seeing a whole lot of people go outside anymore. You know, given what we're seeing going on right now, you'll probably see a little bit more, but. Either way, you're seeing a whole lot more kids staying inside, getting online, getting on social media and doing that stuff. They just want that, and they just want to do that, not to have to put in the work. And, you know, I think sports is a good outlet for you, you know, to learn discipline, put in the work, you know, and know what that's like. Yeah, You need to know what that's like when you're a little bit older because it doesn't get any easier. No, you're 100% right. The lessons you learn from sports are things that you can always carry with you for the rest of your life. Now, I want to say this. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's uh, it's been a rivalry, but, I would, but, of course, I've been working on the other side for Haytai. And uh, I know you and several others have been getting on my head saying, oh, this guy's <laughs> rooting for Haytai now. He's a Haytai man now. First of all, uh, no, no. I look, the thing here is, and I've told you this plenty of times. Is if you're playing in the playoffs, I gotta cheer for Haytai because your boys gotta get paid. First off, <laughs> but if it's regular season battle the boot heel, well, oh, screw Haytai. Let's let's go Crothersville. Now, exactly. <laughs> thankfully, the playoff situation I don't think has happened because y'all are in different districts. As of right now, but I'm be honest with you, that's might definitely change. We might be going down to class one. You never know. 
I mean, yeah, that's right. They change every year. Like, sometimes last minute I learned. And, yeah. Think of how many championships Crutchville could have had with the athletes we've had in the past 20, 30 oh. years if we were actually in Class 1. Oh, well, yeah, I'm thinking back to, like, even Jimmy's days. Probably would have been like that, too. You know. Yeah, think of that, our freshman year, think of that team. Oh, I mean, we lost man. up in yeah. St. Louis and everything. But if we've been, I remember Penny won that year, and everybody just couldn't believe how weak Class 1 was. And I mean, we, we beat Valley Catholic this past year, and yeah. we, had, we were without one of our best players. So, I mean, I'm kind of for us losing some – our enrollment and going down to class one because I mean, <laughs> think with traditionally the athletes and stuff that Crowdersville has, how how well we would do in football. That's the, right. We wouldn't have to we wouldn't have to play the Lamars, yeah. or the the Luther Norse or anything like that. It'd yeah, be, it'd be pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at Luther North. I mean, they got some Division One prospects out there. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's insane. And same with Lamar, they had those twins our senior year that both went to Mizzou. Yeah, and just crazy talent. So I mean, I mean, class one. I mean, it'd be nice. I mean, yeah. Think about it, like, yeah, that team our freshman year. I'm still ticked off about that a little bit. Yeah, that, that's insane. I mean, I'm thinking about it ten years ago. That's nuts. But that like, is. I, I'm thinking back to like, yeah, that team. You know, with LB then. With or, or think of the team when we were 10. You know, Crowdersville in 2004, they were ranked number one in the whole state. And really, that team should have won state too. They got into the playoffs when my sister was a senior. And they just played the worst game that any of them played in their high school careers. And they lost. But to be ranked number one throughout the whole year in state. And then yeah, just uh, – Play your worst game and everything, but I mean, imagine if I don't know. It'd be nice. Coach would definitely have some banners up. Man, I know. I hope we get some banners up too. I mean, I I miss the days when we were talking about. Oh yeah, this is our year. We're gonna go to the dome. Uh, I I miss that. But uh, I guess let's switch off to this. Of course, we're in this time period right now. We're basically all at home. You know, this is an introvert's dream right here. Basically me. Yes. So. Uh, <laughs> This is this is basically my dream: staying at home, playing Xbox, watching movies, all this, whatever. So we're in this time period, and you and me have been going back and forth uh, on what you've been doing. And one of the things you've been doing is having an MCU rewatch. Yes, it's been nice. Now, where are you at right now? Now, I I think last time I heard you were on Ragnarok. I see. I slowed down. I don't know because with me, when I watch series and stuff, I don't like them ending. And so, you know, for the first half of the movies, I was rolling through them daily, two a day. Yeah. And so I really slowed down here lately. And with Warzone, me playing Call of Duty and stuff, I actually, I watched, me and Ethan watched Black Panther last night. Yeah. So I guess what I'm on Ragnarok actually now, I think. Now, everything. Yeah, I'm on, I'll be, I'll watch it tonight. So are you. Uh- I know there's uh I've seen debates about this here recently about whether to watch them chronologically or whether to watch them you know in the certain time periods you are. Which have you been doing? Have you been doing chronologically? Yes, and I like that because I mean there's there's Easter eggs and things 
sprinkle throughout on the, as you watch them chronologically, you see stuff that they mention in Captain Marvel ends up coming to light and a different one. Or I liked when, uh, Thor, they were talking about, uh, I forget what's the agent's name that, that he died. Uh, Coulson. Yeah. I loved Coulson where he said he, or I was watching Iron Man two and he said, Coulson said he, something happened in New Mexico. So he had to leave. Yeah, Iron Man to go do that. I mean, just stuff like that. As you watch it chronologically, you see what it's giving hints and Easter eggs about as things that are, uh, happen are going to happen. I'll give you another Easter egg in that scene where he's talking about New Mexico when Tony has to kind of steady his machine to create his new arc reactor. You see him holding the sort of prototype and it looks like Cap Shield. Yes, so and stuff like that. It's pretty cool, ain't it? Yeah, it is. So, one of the things I did is I ran through them, and I regret it. Uh, I mean, again, this is what having nowhere to go uh, will do to you. And so, I went through, there's a couple things I went through, five, maybe six. And yeah, and I wish it, like, I, I remember clocking it down. Like, I started at 10 o'clock one day, and I ended, like, 11 o'clock that night. And so It's a lot of movies. It is. It's a long day, and I enjoy them, but, like, it's a long day. You know, even even if you're watching something you enjoy, it's a long day. But, like, I did yes. it. I wanted to test it out. I tried to see how it was, you know, during the time period. So I started off with First Avenger, and that's how I did mine, you know. It's a little bit different. Now, one of the things I noticed that uh, I didn't know for sure, and it was my inkling that maybe I should do this, and it turns out I was right is put Ant-Man and the Wasp before, like, Infinity War. See, me and Ethan were talking about that last night. We kind of felt like that the time frames didn't really make sense to do it in between Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. So we're going to watch um, Ant-Man and the Wasp before Infinity War. Because we, we felt the same way. Even yeah. though it's ambiguous about the time frame, but we just feel like it better fits before Infinity I think, well, I think that's what they were intending. I think it does fit a little bit more in that time frame uh, before then. And then the post credit scene, when you, when you get to it, it's like a shock. And, like, what just happened? These people just turned into dust. You know, what just happened? Yeah. And so, like, See, it's, I a, agree. it's a good lead-up. I think, you know, looking at... And we've had debates about this uh, on the pod about, you know whether you know something like captain marvel would have worked better after infinity war because she was directly teasing the post credit scene or you know whether it should have been ant-man that should have come out and captain marvel slot but you know that's the way i kind of looked at it and you and me have been talking about this uh so y you watch captain marvel for the first time here in this rewatch what movies have you have you seen for the first time during this rewatch so it was just Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange. I never got around to watching Doctor Strange. Yeah. And everything and but actually I really did like Doctor Strange and everything. I mean, cuz I didn't know his backstory or anything like that that he used to, I knew he was a supposed doctor, but I honestly I thought it was like a doctor of like philosophy or something like that with how smart he is. I didn't yeah. think that he was a, a world renowned renowned surgeon. And so, I mean, it was kind of interesting to learn about their history and and everything. And so it was just those two. And actually, I liked Captain Marvel more than I thought I would. I was kind of 
thinking it might be like how Wonder Woman was, all yeah. the hype around it, and then I, you know, I fell asleep during the movie because I didn't didn't <laughs> like it that much. Yeah, I thought it was kind of boring. And Captain Marvel was a whole lot better than what I thought it was going to be. Well, all right, so three things here. Uh, Doctor Strange, I think it's visually one of the more interesting MCU movies out there. There's a little bit of Inception-esque quality to it. Yes. And, you know, it's just visually interesting and maybe one of the best that they've done. But I I agree. Doctor Strange, I think, is pretty good. I, I remember me and my dad were watching it. My sister was in the room, and she was like, what is going on? And we were just sitting there laughing at her. Like, <laughs> like it, it's crazy. Like, we know it's crazy. It's fine. Uh, I'll say with Wonder Woman, you, you want to tell me why I think... Uh, Here's where I see Wonder Woman through. I see it through kind of the same lens as the first Avenger. So that's kind of where I see it because there's similarities there. They're both, you know, in world wars. They're kind of dealing with people that, you know, are kind of people out of the time. You know, that's the way I kind of see those two. Uh, but Captain Marvel... You and me had an interesting discussion about that, particularly about the scrolls. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of them. I am too, and I gotta tell you, it was really interesting that conversation we had. Like, I'm trying to pull it back and seeing whether I can find it in, you know, talking about it. So, you were saying, well, who are say who are we to say the scrolls are bad? <laughs> yes. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. That's one of the things that surprised me about Captain Marvel was I thought the scrolls they were going to be some sort of bad guys, but I also thought you know there's going to be some bad guys on the Creed on the Creed side too because we know yeah. that there that there are you know going back to Guardians one Ronan is that so just seeing that you know and knowing their history from the comics uh, they are bad guys they literally come down have a secret invasion or impersonating other superheroes and nobody knows what's going on. Like they've infiltrated earth. And so knowing history about the scrolls, like, Oh yeah, these guys are going to be bad. We see yes, what... Cause they, they, they look alien. They look evil well, and everything. And that's one of the interesting things Marvel has done is kind of have twist on characters. You don't necessarily expect, it's kind of like their twist on some of the titles. Now, something like Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, Infinity War, and some others. Yeah, they have the same, you know, kind of vision that some of these, uh, that, you know, the comics had. But they've altered it a little bit. Like with Civil War, for instance. Civil War in the comics is drastically different from the Civil War we have in the movies. Really? Where the Civil War in the comics... We're not really dealing with Bucky, with what Bucky did to Tony's parents. We're not really dealing yes. with that. But we are dealing with, you know, registration. Are superheroes going to be registered? Should they be registered? Uh, that's still a debate I'm st still seeing going on today. Uh, you know, was Tony right? Was Cap right? You know, all that stuff. But you see what they did with the scrolls. And it's particularly interesting now, you mentioned after you saw it, 
you thought they might have been misunderstood. And I think you're right on that. I think some of them are misunderstood, but I do think, you know, everybody, there's some bad, uh, you know, you got your good people, and then there's some bad people out there. So, exactly. I think there are some bad scrolls out there. We just happen to see scrolls that were particularly good and did not want to, you know, contribute to any violence going on. I think, you know, they, gen they genuinely. Wanted to find a home. They wanted to get away from this because it was destroying them. Yes. It's interesting because I like how you were saying they just wanted to find their own place so, you know, they can prosper and all that. And I said, you know, maybe the scrolls, people conceal themselves in order to survive in an oppressive world. So maybe, you know, when they defended themselves, maybe their oppressors called it war. And so, you know, I just feel like Maybe most of them or someone just want to find a path for survival so they can be their true selves. Yeah. And I'm kind of interested because after Far From Home, we see the main scroll we see in here, Talos and his wife yes. impersonating Nick Fury and Maria Hill. And so that's kind of like, hmm, this is really interesting. And really the first give giveaway that, you know, we should have seen in in our first viewing of the movie is they mentioned something about the Cree. Now, I mean, we know Nick Fury knows all like this guy's paranoid, but like <laughs> you get somebody mentioning Cree specifically. It's like, okay, that it, it's a scroll. And you know, this, he didn't necessarily act like Nick Fury. Although how would Nick Fury rea react after being dusted away and coming back f missing five years? I mean, I think you just take a look into the fact, like, how would that? How would we feel about that? Missing five years and suddenly coming back, not knowing anything, be terrified. And you know, you, you're seeing that scene, and you're seeing Nick Fury chilling on space with the scrolls. I'm really interested to see how their storyline is handled down the road. I think it's fascinating. I think, uh, but uh. Yeah, so I guess looking back at the MCU, has anything, are there any movies that sort of changed for you? Do you, do you view any movies differently now? Are there any, is a movie that maybe, you know, you weren't high on, maybe now your favorite? Because, I mean, there's one for me, uh, particularly after Endgame, you know, Age of Ultron. Uh, with everything that happens, with all the little teasers and Easter eggs, I really enjoy Age of Ultron more. Is there anything like that in your rewatch? Well, honestly, you know, before rewatching all of them, I, I don't know, maybe Iron Man was my yeah. favorite. But honestly, you mentioned Age of Ultron, and then you mentioned uh, uh, Civil War. And honestly, I think my opinions kind of changed. I kind of agree more with Cap in, you know, both situations. And, Feel like Tony Stark was to blame for Ultron and then Civil War. I definitely agreed with Cap with all that. When I watched it the first time, I was on Iron Man's side and and everything. But after rewatching it and everything, I saw. I mean, I enjoyed them both, but I think my opinions have changed on whose side I would have been on. Like, that's an argument that again is still going on, and it's fascinating that it's still going on. We're still talking about who was right. And I'm on Team Cap, 
partly because I love the cat movies, but he's he's right that you know, are they gonna send them to somewhere that they don't need to go? And basically, and basically, see, that's what you I know, agree in Infinity War when they come back to the compound, Ross is like, I don't care what's going on. I don't care if, if aliens are here. Arrest them. They're criminals. And first off, screw you, Ross. Uh, Cap was right. <laughs> but I do think, looking at it, he was right in that regard with the Accords. Like, one of the scenes I still have really trouble with grasping is that scene where, you know, after Tony's just giving the speech at MIT, and he's talking to that woman whose son was killed in Sokovia. And really basically saying, you... Th- you think you fight for us? You know, you fight for yourselves. And I'm just like, uh, n- no, they do fight for you guys. And if they didn't stop that, they probably a whole lot more people would have died, to, to be fair. See, yeah, I, I, I agreed right there. Yeah, because, I mean, how can you blame the Avengers for the, I mean, the collateral damage that takes place? Because once you, I mean, if you think about it, if they didn't do that, then millions upon millions if not the world have died in several yeah. situations so i mean of course collateral damage is going to come with them saving I mean, everybody's that, lives that's, true. That, that's the thing if you know that th- if that thing in sokovia happens any longer it's global extension so i mean what, yes. what else do you want to do but like at the same time i still do understand like i, I would be ticked too if somebody i knew died over there and it really was kind of tony's fault that that happened you know wanting ultron because he did feel like with the vision that scarlet witch kind of gave him that something bigger was coming and he was right i mean he was right thanos came he saw he conquered and then you know an end game happens but i think where cap was kind of wrong was withholding that information about bucky about bucky killing tony's parents because, but do you re- do you think that he actually did? Or I mean, or I mean, I don't think it was you know Bucky. I mean, that's why I feel like you can't blame yeah. him for that because he didn't really do it, in yeah, my opinion. And, like they talk about that, you know, Steve and Bucky, they talk about it. Bucky's talking about it like, yeah, but well, I did it, you know. Regardless if I was brainwashed or not, I did it, and you know, people are after me. But I would understand if I'm Tony. I would be upset at Camp for not telling me about that because they talk about it. And, like, Bucky's my friend, and Tony's like, well, so was I, you know. And so, like, their friendship is kind of broken because of that. And, really, you see the effects of that in Endgame. Like, you're still seeing them. They're still upset. Tony gets on to him, and Camp kind of lets him vent. And I think you kind of have to. I mean, Tony was right in that regard, that something bigger was coming, that he, he was trying to protect everybody. Just building a, you know, a maniacal, even an evil annihilating machine, AI, does not help anything. So, yes, it was, it was terrible a terrible idea. idea, and, you know, you shouldn't have done it in the first place. And, I don't know, I think it's a fascinating movie, Civil War. Uh, like, looking at it, uh, I prefer the scene between those three with them fighting more, really, than the airport scene, even though I love the airport scene. Love it. Uh, I just, 
Oh, yeah, it's a, it was I a great I just scene. love seeing them fight together and just seeing how vicious they are. They're kind of getting at each other. Tony and Cap, they are literally try, uh, trying to hurt each other pretty badly. And then you, you get the ending there, and that's the ending of the Cap trilogy. But I, Civil War, I think, is Matt's favorite movie. I think Peter has some problems with it. I think Winter Soldier, we all love Winter Soldier here. And... Like, Winter Soldier is a movie that, mind you, it came out right before we were about to graduate, too. I for, I remember that. as like, that came out, and then you have Guardians coming out that same year. So, it was pretty good, and I don't know about you. This is something that, I guess I'll ask you now, uh, a two-parter. Of course, in 2013, you get Iron Man 3. You get Thor the Dark World, which I regrettably own, and... You didn't like Thor Dark World, Ron? I think it's one of the... We, it, might, it might be the weakest out of the MCU movies. Oh, um, I liked you it. You right, so, I, li- I liked it more the second time I watched it compared to the whole right, lot more so than the first. What was it about, about it you liked? Well, I didn't... Uh, think it was as interesting and and all that the first time i watched it but i don't know i really me and ethan ethan really agreed with me too i mean i almost thought it was just as good as winter soldier wow (laughs) oh okay i really like i really like the dark elves and uh, the ether and and all that. I don't know. I like the Dark Elves being a the part of the part film. The part I really like of that is that it comes back into play in Endgame when you have Bro Thor talking about it and then getting sad over it because he, he doesn't. he's not with Jane anymore. And, you know, you're, you're, seeing, you're watching everybody react to this and you're seeing Scott Lang, Ant-Man, really enjoying this. I think Ant-Man's a fan, it's a fan of Dark World like you, Grant. I think he is. Like... I really liked it, honestly. I thought it was pretty good. I liked the, uh, I don't know. It seemed, I guess with the dark elves, it seemed they were pretty evil and darker than what I was used to seeing in the Marvel universe. I don't know. I really, I really did like it. I, there's some problems I have with it, particularly Malekith, the main bad. You know, stuff like that, chemistry issues. Yeah, it. That's fine. I, the most, the most satisfying scene in there. And the most emotionally charged scene is uh, his mom's death. It's Thor's mom dying. Yeah, that's, I was about to say that. seeing the funeral happen. It's, uh, that might be my favorite part of all of Dark World, if I had to say it. Because you can really feel the emotion right there. And then afterwards, you get a shot of Loki. And, like, I mean, Loki, we don't think Loki really cares about anybody. But he cared about her. And you see him get frustrated, and he's upset about it. But I'm looking at 2013. After that, particularly, Matt talked about it. Like, after that, he was kind of getting out on the MCU, worried about where they were going. Then you get Winter Soldier. Then you get Guardians. Bam, you're right back in. You're right back in. You know, just when you think you're about to go out, they bring you right back in with those two movies. I get... And they yeah, were pretty did good. You ha- where did you, did you have any doubt at all about where they were going? Because I think for me, 
I did a little bit, but then I really feel like they pulled it together, and I liked how everything ended up working oh, man. out. See, for for me, Guardians, which I, I believe I think Ethan said he loves the Guardians movies, right? Oh, those are his top ones. He can't wait for the. For I the next can't wait one. either. Uh, just a few nights ago, there's a quarantine watch party where everybody got together and watched Guardians, including the director James Gunn. And kind of talked about what he's talking about for this third one. Uh, and I'm excited about that. Of course, you know, you had the whole thing where, you know, they had to let him go and then they bring him back. And so I'm excited like him for this third one. But I think that first Guardians, really, you're venturing into the unknown there. You're going full deep into the weird space stuff. And you got a talking tree, a talking raccoon. Both voiced by Ben Diesel and Bradley Cooper, which it's unrecognizable. Uh, uh-uh. that's why it's, it's crazy to to think that Bradley Cooper. Is I know. Rocket. I still have trouble thinking about it. It's like, oh yeah, he does. And you get this movie, and it's just amazing and awesome. And I mean, of course, there's the fact that Peter Quill's from Missouri, which shout out to Missouri right there. Uh. <laughs> but we see that and really that movie gets you from the beginning within those first few minutes with him and his mom and just seeing yes. that i'm still today saying peter you should have taken your mom's hand right there you should have done it and he doesn't take yes. it and then at the end when you have which i think is one of the best moments probably in the MCU is that whole guardian scene where they're holding the power stone and you know, they use it against Ronan's like we're the guardians of the galaxy. And uh, that moment is awesome, but it's just the way they were able to make you care about those characters. You cared about where the group was going to die at the end. I mean, the yeah, guardians are underrated. That's what I told Ethan. There are some, some really good, good movies. It's really, it really is. I mean, same thing. Like, uh, I mean, I grew up watching Batista and wrestling, and then to see him in the movie and everything, and to see how he acts, and I mean, his character. I mean, I, I think Ethan's favorite character is Drax, and everything, and just his his banter back and forth with everybody and everything. I mean, it's it's hard for me to see. It. The wrestler I watched growing up, Batista, then being tracks to the Destroyer. I mean, just all around. I think every character is pretty is pretty good. And then uh, I don't, I think I sent you the Snapchat uh, of uh, of what's his name, Don. My mind's going blank all of a sudden. Uh, Yondu when Yondu died at the end of of uh, Volume Two, you know, he gives his life for star lord and everything and i mean it's just pretty it's pretty awesome like guardians 2 was on the other night and just watching that scene that scene is so it's so emotional and you're seeing uh craglin who's getting emotional over this seeing all of his friends show up like and the fact that they have you know the song father and son play when it's really about Peter Quill trying to find his true dad and it turns out it was Yondu 
It's just crazy. And also, the fact here, we forget it, that freaking Sylvester Stallone's in this movie, too. Yes. <laughs> hey, did you know that Gunn almost killed Yondu? And I think in the first film, or is it the first or second, or or something like that. I remember reading after I watched the movie that he was reluctant to kill Yondu. Maybe it was in volume two and everything, but you just know that in the end, he was 100% Peter Quill's father and everything, you know, despite Ego being his actual father. So I really liked Yondu, too. He was, I don't think there's a character that I didn't like. I mean, even kind of like Ego, because, you know, I like Kurt Russell and and everything. Yeah, so I like Ethan. I'm excited for this third one. We're going to have to wait a while. I don't know, sadly. Who knows? Maybe we'll see Thor pop up. Maybe. Uh, I've, de- I've heard some rumors that, you know, the Guardians might pop up in the next Thor movie. So, I mean, we'll see. I'm excited to see where their journey takes them, particularly after Endgame. You know, finding Gamora. I, I'm interested to see that. But, I don't know, this MCU rewatch, I think, for both of us, has been fun because... You know, we're seeing everything play out now. Of course, uh, my second porter that I had is I've heard some people talk about, you know, Endgame was the perfect bookend, but it's also left things open where, like, if you wanted to stop after Endgame, you could. And, like, okay, that was a fun ride. I'm done. And then it also left it open, like, okay, uh, here's what's coming next. We got Black Widow. We got Eternals. I'm ready to go. How are you, how much are you interested in what's next? I am very interested to see what's all going to happen and to see what all characters they bring in. I know that's what I was going to mention earlier. I can't wait to see uh Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness and oh. all the movies that are going to be coming out. The sad thing is, you know, with everything going on, these movies are getting pushed back. So that's unfortunate. I know. One of the other one of the movies that I don't know about, I don't know where their date's gonna be, is uh Spider Man three. Is of course I mean it just feels like we just got out of home come uh, far from home last year. Already talking about Spider Man three. So uh, there are rumors that the date was gonna be sometime in July of twenty twenty one. It's not Marvel's deal to figure out it's Sony since uh, they still hold pretty much the majority over Spidey. But I think you and me are, are different than a lot of people than we know because I think we actually like these new Spider-Man movies. Yeah, so I'm surprised to see how a bunch of people have said that they did not like Far From Home and everything. I thought it was actually pretty good and kind of turned me around on them. I don't know who's, who I still like more, but... I thought it was a pretty good movie. I think when you look at it, you look at, uh, I think everybody's still hooked on the McGuire Spider-Man. And I I don't know about the Garfield Spider-Man because uh, the first Amazing Spider-Man movie was pretty good, but the second one, it gets to Spider-Man 3 territory where they're trying too much. They're planting too many Easter eggs. Yes. You know, I think when you when you focus on that stuff, teasing stuff to come, and you don't focus on the story and what you're having your characters do, that's going to take a hit on your film. And that's what I think happened to 
Amazing Spider-Man 2. But I think for this one, the whole the whole thing people get upset about is, well, he's, a, he's Iron Man Jr. He is. I mean, realistically, who else is going to introduce them to everybody in the MCU? 100%. 100%. In the comics, he he's on Iron Man's side in Civil War for a bit. Then he's, he's kind of neutral. And we see the Iron Spider suit come into play in Infinity War. And it's awesome. But I don't know. I think with Maguire, I think for him, he was a good Peter Parker. Because the way he acted and kind of downtrodden out on his luck is Peter Parker. That's the Peter Parker you need to see. But he's also really smart. And then in the Amazing series... You see Andrew Garfield, and you see, like, I think his Spider-Man is actually pretty good. He's quippy. He's a lot more funny. He's a whole lot more athletic. And I think the suit in Amazing Spider-Man 2 it might be the best Spidey suit out there that we've had. So, I don't know. I With Holland, how would you, th- how, how good of a job do you think Holland's done? He's done a, a whole lot better. And a... And uh, as it's gone on to me, then when I first saw him, I didn't really find it as interesting and I didn't like his jokes and stuff as much until here recently. I've come around on him and he's pretty, he is a pretty good actor. I've watched his new Disney movie this past week onward and it's a pretty good movie. You should check it out. And so I'm really uh, becoming a Tom Holland fan. That's good to hear that you like onward. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> I'm trying to watch it here soon. It's pretty good for real. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've heard good things about it. I'm just hearing some more good things about it from you. That helps out a whole lot. Uh, I think he's done a good job, and I think here's my thing. I w- we're going to get to see him grow into becoming a more mature Spider-Man. I, th- I think that part's a lot fasc- a whole lot fascinating, considering... And the two Spider-Man trilogies or one trilogy and two movies we got is that both these guys were pretty much in college by the second movie. Yes. Or in the original trilogy's case, by the first movie. So we really didn't get to see Spidey kind of grow up. And we really, and we didn't get to see him interact with any, you know, other superheroes, uh, all that stuff. And so now I think we're getting it. You know, the... New, the r- more recent Spider-Man PS4 game, it, I think it's kind of fascinating. I think it's kind of the trend where I think they're probably going to go is where you're seeing a Spider-Man who's been on the job, who's like 25. He's been seven, eight years on the job. And he's come up with all this tech for himself. He really becomes sort of like a detective, learning all this stuff, and really become much more mature. And I think with... Kevin Feige, listen, I don't doubt Kevin Feige's vision. I mean, the guy got us to Endgame. <laughs> the guy got us to see us see Cap getting Thor's hammer. I mean, he's got it to that point. So, I don't doubt him. I mean, I do trust him. And I, more so, I got a little bit worried when you had the whole Sony Marvel thing where for a second, it looked like Spidey's going back to Sony. 
I got a little bit worried. I know. I I, I don't. I want to see it go away from it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is that they're talking about using all these Sony. Sony's talking about using all these characters, to maybe trying to get some MCU references in them. So I don't know. Like Morbius, that was supposed to come out here later this summer, and then you have Venom. Like we went to see Venom together, and I mean, Venom was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I remember seeing some people say they didn't enjoy it, but I mean, I thought it was actually pretty pretty good, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, I mean, it's exactly what I expected it to be, plus a little more. A little bit excite, uh, a whole lot of excitement, a whole lot of fun, a whole lot of crazy. I really like how Venom is portrayed in that, with all his different powers. I really like how big he is. I don't care how cartoony he looks. So, I, I'm fine with that, and... You got Venom 2 coming out here supposedly soon. You get Carnage. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully they, they do it pretty well. <sighs> they need to. Because they're, ta they're talking about getting Holland to some of these Sony films. And seeing, a, a, seeing Spidey team up with Venom to fight Carnage. And see, I'd like to see that. I know Venom, when, when does Venom 2 come out this year? Well, it's still supposed to come out in October. They haven't done anything about the date yet, so we'll still we're still waiting. I'm excited for. It. I mean, I really think that uh, I really like Tom Holland as Eddie, and I'm ready to see how Woody Har Harrelson. Just, I mean, I'm a big Woody Harrelson fan, so I mean, I, I mean, I I can't see this not being a good another good movie to me. I know it's supposed to come out. It says October. Yeah. And so, but I mean, I just think Woody Harrelson's going to be a great Carnage. I mean, I can't think of a better actor who to pick for it. My only problem was that post credit scene where he fourth walled the thing and said, there's going to be Carnage. And I'm, I, and honestly, when we're in the theater, to myself, I'm like, oh, crap, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's terrible. Who approved of him saying it like that? Yeah. And I, I'm excited for it, too. I've seen screenshots of him on set. He kind of looks a little bit like Florida Man a little bit. How you, how you expect Florida Man to look like? It looks kind of crazy. But, uh, hey, listen, it, it, Carnage needs to be crazy. No, nah, he, he needs to. I hope it's a little bit darker than what I'm used to in these superhero movies, and I'm sure it's probably rated PG-13 or something, but, I mean, I'd be fine if it was rated R. I mean, I'd like to see it <laughs> pretty well, dark. <laughs> hey, I mean, rated R movies here recently have worked. Is Joker, Logan, uh, they've worked. But both ben, good movies, too. Both good movies. Both Oscar-nominated movies. I'm not saying Venom 2 is going to be nominated for Oscars. If it does, it's wild and something completely unforeseen. But, uh, hey, I think it's a route you need to go to. Carnage is a more, much more violent character than Venom is, really. Yes. And I've read, I, I don't know if it's true, but I read a trailer description of Carnage. And from what I've read, it sounds like they are going that route. Good. I, 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 that's, that's how I want to see it. Now, if they go to PG-13 route, I mean, it's okay, fine. You, you'll probably make more money that way. 
But I think they'll still make a whole lot more, a whole lot of money with uh, R-rated movies. Yeah, I think they can do a little bit more with it and everything. All right, so here's something that you, uh, I've talked to you about me doing after I got done with my MCU rewatch, switching gears. So right now I've been doing a Harry Potter reread, and I'm currently in the middle of Order of the Phoenix. And I'll tell you what, and I've been listening to podcasts about it too. I'll tell you what, there's a whole lot of foreshadowing in, uh, in these, in these books really from the first chapter of Sorcerer's Stone. It's insane. <laughs> I I know I need, I need to go back and read them. It's been probably about two years, if not more since I've read them everything but you know i've read them we, we both read the series so many times but it'd be nice to go up in, go back in with a fresh take on everything and look for stuff like you're talking about and everything because i mean the books they're i mean they can't be beat in my opinion they're just all amazing yeah and like right now my tv's muted i got on prisoner of azkaban right now as a as we're doing this and rereading that I really enjoyed it a whole lot more than I remember. I'm like at the end and I can't stop reading it because all of this is interesting. It's fun. There's a lot of foreshadowing in there. Like, I think there's one small paragraph that has two chunks of foreshadowing where Harry is kind of feeling like Snape is following him, which I mean, he kind of is as we learn at the end of Deathly Hollows. And then you also get you get a line that says, Harry couldn't help but feeling like Snape might be reading his mind. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, there's a little bits right there. And there's also little bits to the end game of what happens in Hallows. I, it's just fascinating rereading this and seeing all this come to light and then getting to book seven and seeing all this play out. Now, I want to ask you this. I don't think I've ever asked you this. Do you have a favorite book out of the series? Uh, you know, it's it's tough to pick one because, I mean, I hate to say it, but I just think they get better and better as you go on. But even the beginning ones are great. And, I mean, they kept me on the edge of my seat. I couldn't put down the book in, in the first three. But, I mean, as they get older and everything, I just – to pick uh, a certain one, I just feel like would be an injustice to the rest of them. But, you know, I might want to say seven. or I mean, I really liked Order of the Phoenix, too. And six was pretty was pretty awesome. Was, I mean, all of them are fantastic. But, you know, I had to say probably seven or five, one of those two. I, I like Dumbledore's Army a lot. I hate, you know, the, I hate, hate Dwarves on Bridge. Oh, man. That's, I don't know. It might be five. You know what I mean? That's what the kids tell me. They'll pick up the book and uh, they'll say, hey, this is a lot of pages. I'll say 870. And they won't <laughs> They won't believe me until they turn to the back and they're like, 870? How'd you know that? I'm like, I've read it so many times that I know how many pages it has. So it, it's probably honestly be Order of the Phoenix. I mean, Order of the Phoenix, and I've been, again, listening to podcasts talking about it. Harry is... A whiny brat in this book, really. He is. And I think, you know, 
probably reading it at the age we were when we were young, when we were teenagers and stuff like that. Uh, we're like, this guy sucks. <laughs> and I think a whole lot of us more now with a little bit of perspective and now a little bit older, like, oh yeah, that's kind of how like we were sometimes. Yep. We were whiny. We were upset with some stuff that didn't go our way. But I think for Harry, just thinking about it, the guy's the chosen one. We we find that out later. The guy has the weight of the world on his shoulders. He just witnessed this catastrophic event where he saw somebody get killed. He saw the most evil wizard come back. And now he's having to deal with all this. And like, I don't blame him for being upset at all. Like, I mean, I really think, yeah, he's fine. The guy just wants to play Quidditch. He wants to play sports. He wants to date. He wants to hang out with his friends. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, he just got it tough. He's, I mean, since he was a baby. I mean, people knew who is who he was since he was a little kid. And then to be hidden away from his world with Dursleys and everything. And then, you know, come to find out, I, you know, I end up liking them. Come to the seventh book and you see how everything plays out with them. And I don't know. See, I, when I get talked about, seven might be my favorite because, I mean, you laugh, you, you cry when Harry dies. I mean, the first time you read it or see the movie, and you think he's dead, you think, I don't know, if you haven't read or anything, I mean, you might actually think that he's dead. And so, I don't know, Seven might be my favorite. There's just so many good parts in all of them. I mean, I even like, I don't know, it's tough to choose a favorite one. Like, I got in late, so I, I'm i kind of looking back at this. I think I remember, you know, we were. I'm in Walmart, I see a little poster for Deathly Hollows. I think I told one of my parents, oh, I know Grant's excited for that. I know he's excited <laughs> for this last book. Yeah, I went and got and then, it the day it came out. I mean, of course. I mean, you want to know what happens. And then I get in on it in sixth grade, and I love it. And funny story, my dad gets on it in on it too. Not the books, but the movies. Partly because... I wanted to go see the movies, and he wasn't going to let me. But my sister convinced him, who prefers <laughs> Hunger Games, by the way. I'll, I'll drop that nugget in. Uh, but, so, it's crazy, you know, to think about. And, you know, you mentioned Seven yeah, and them and the Dursleys. And, like, here's one thing. I'm looking in uh, part one of Deathly Hollows of the movies. There's a deleted scene where I wish it wasn't deleted where he's talking I, to Petunia. I, yes, I wish they had not taken that because I mean it's such a great moment in the book and everything. It gives you so much, it gives you new insight on them, on them. and new appreciation yeah. of who they are. So I wish they had not taken that out. I wish they hadn't either. I wish that part with Petunia because in the book, I think she's she's going to say something and then doubles back and decides not to. Yeah. And so, like, I feel like that scene is incredible. Kind of shows, like, she's kind of turned her corners. Like, I did love my sister. I, I was a little bit jealous of her. I mean, that happens. You're je Sometimes you become jealous of some people because they have something you don't. It happens. Uh, There's some other, there's some nuggets that I've found listening through these podcasts. I want to get your take on. So... 
And book one, are we not going to ignore that McGonagall has some serious Quidditch violations with giving Harry a broom? (laughs) Yes. Like, there's some serious problems here. If the NCAA is in on this, what are they going to do? There's no telling. I mean, it's incredible. And it's like, it's insane. And also, there's the one bit in Chamber of Secrets. Harry is looking at Tom Real like, this guy can help me out here. He's a good friend of mine. I met him through this weird book, and I'm just seeing this corpse of Jenny here on the ground in this dark chamber where he got this monster here. It's a little strange that he's like, hey, Tom, come and help me out here. When he's actually, uh, when Tom is actually like doing the whole thing. Yes. He's immediately trusting of this figure that he met in this book. And it's like, yeah, it's like, hey, come help me out here. I got to figure this out. He's naive. It, he, he is, and thankfully he doesn't. Also, one of the things I like uh, going on to later books is that you get more of Harry's perspective. You're more of in his head. And you kind of see the world through his eyes. And as you get older, he he's learning more stuff. He understands more things. I think it's fascinating how she went from, in the early books, we kind of got glimpses in his head but we were still kind of looking at different perspectives. And then basically in Deathly Hallows, you're fully in his head. 100%. It's interesting to see all of his takes on it and get a better insight to who Harry is. Probably, and another thing too, a lot of times we start out at the Dursleys, but in Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows, we're in stuff that we don't, that Harry doesn't see. Particularly in Prince, where the first chapter, it's the other minister, and you got the muggle minister. You got the minister of magic talking. You know, that chapter's fascinating. And then you got the whole Bellatrix and Snape face-off in the second chapter at Snape's house. It was like, hey, where were you when the Voldemort fell? Why have you tried to have to go trying to kill Harry Potter? That stuff is fascinating. And, I don't know, I think when you look at it, I think a lot of people say the best books might be Prince and Goblet, because in Goblet, I mean, think about how much stuff you're being introduced to. It is a lot. It's a whole lot. That's not even as long as Order of the Phoenix, which, like you said, is 870 pages. That that part, <laughs> it's that's still wild. And then in Prince, you really kind of get, you know, the hor- you get the Horcrux reveal, but also you get the download on Voldemort. You get the villain origin story. I mean, who doesn't love a villain origin story? Uh, you're you're right. It's, uh, that's why, like you're saying, with five and four. I mean, I didn't know that there was different schools of magic and stuff like that and some of the other creatures that were introduced to in four and everything and five and all the stuff in the ministry and the different parts and all kinds of stuff that were introduced to in the magical world for the for the most part so i mean uh, they're both great books and movies i mean they are i think 
Do you do you have a favorite movie out of them? Maybe the first because you know it really got me into it. You know, because I'm pretty sure when did the first one come out? I mean, I can't remember off the top of my head. Think like 2000, 2001. So you know that had to say that got me into it. Not the books, because I wasn't reading those books back then. And so I'd, yeah. I'd say probably the first one, because it really got me hooked on Harry Potter. And so without that, I might not have ever... I mean, I probably would have liked it eventually, but I probably wouldn't have become the super fan I am now. I think, as far as the movies go, I think a lot of people say the third one is the best, from what I've heard. It, it, just because, you know, like... The guy who directed Alfonso Cuaron is a guy that's a highly thought of director, brought different takes, different ideas to, to the third one, and kind of made the shift into where it's more adult, more mature. Uh, I kind of like Deathly Hallows Part 2. I love an ending. Uh, and just seeing everything play out. I mean, think about it. We're thinking about how all that's going to play out in our heads for a long time, how this final battle is going to be portrayed on the screen. And then, I mean, we get it. And I don't know. Uh, did, what thoughts did you have about part two? Did, did you kind of feel, I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like uh, maybe part two and part one. I think part one, it might be underrated a little bit. And I would probably say, cause you know, Maybe because in part one, maybe because they're in the forest and they're on the run, and maybe some people might think it's a little boring to to see some of that and all that. But I mean, I think they're both great movies. The second one, you know, it just perfectly wraps everything up, and you hate to see some of the characters that died in it and everything. That makes it real for a lot of people, and. Ah, they're just such great movies. I remember, uh, which one is part one that Dobby dies, correct? Right. And I remember us being in the movie theaters and people crying and stuff because Dobby died. I mean, that was, that was, a, that was, that was a pretty real moment to see Dobby dying on screen. And there were just so many good parts in both movies. They were both fantastic. My My dad loves Dobby, so that hurt for him. He also hates Bellatrix like the rest of us, so he was happy to see her get killed off. Uh, that that moment with Mama Weasley. Oh man, it, it was <laughs> forever. It would be amazing and everything. Like, oh, I remember reading about it and everything. You almost feel like you're shouting as she's about to beat her when Molly did it and everything. But I mean, it's just awesome. Or then when Neville decapitates Nagini and finally making Voldemort mortal, and then their final battle and all that it's just awesome and to be honest i kind of like it in part two uh i kind of you know you don't really get the whole harry speech there at the end i really like the harry speech at the end of deathly hallows when he's explaining to voldemort and he's taunting him he's calling him tom and he's, he's doing all this stuff our, our guy is feeling himself and it, it like he knows it's about to end. I think with part two, I really wish they hadn't done the thing they did. I mean, of course, you want to explore more of the grounds, I guess, after the battle. But uh, I'll tell you whose speech I did love. 
I love Neville's. I know everybody really got to uh, finally appreciate Neville. And I know I feel like through the books and through the other movies, people didn't, I mean, they liked Neville, but they didn't really appreciate his character as much until maybe the last movie. But I mean, his speech and him showing his courage at the end, he's not going to bow down to Voldemort and all that, even though he's a pure blood and all that. He just, uh, he was, a, yeah. he's always, he always was a hero. Even thinking about to what the, was the first or second movie that he stood up to Harry them named jinxed on. What movie was that? Was that the, the chamber of secrets or sorcerer's yeah. stone? One of those two. I mean, he's always been, uh, had more courage and, able to stand up you know Dumbledore says it's something to stand up to your enemies but to do it to your friends shows real courage right. I mean so I mean we've seen all along he's had those characteristics you know what there's another deleted scene I was watching this uh, uh, video a couple days ago there's this deleted scene in part two where after Harry reveals himself to Voldemort in the movie like Draco runs between them and throws Harry a wand I I thought that was like, wow, that's fascinating to have that take. Now that doesn't happen in the book. Yeah. When the when the movie they just walk off. Like I think that would have been fascinating to see that kind of turn from Draco. And you know, see him kind of like you know, what? I'm done with this. I'm done with Voldemort. Harry, you kill this guy. And it's like I I I wish we could. I wish we could have had it. I do. And I think that deep down, maybe he could have been good. He's just always a product of his environment. I mean, as you see in the last one, they're done. The Malfoys, they've been through too much and everything. And so maybe if he had grown up a little bit different and everything, maybe Malfoy wouldn't have been a bad person. I mean, he turns out not as bad and everything, but it is what yeah. it is. It is. You know what? Let's make a tra transition Let's talk a little bit about sports. Uh, of course, we don't have sports going on right now. Uh, it's weird, weird time, nothing going on. So let's talk about this. And this is a question directly from Matt Mormon when I was talking about having you on. <laughs> How does somebody become a Patriots and Yankees fan at the same time? I had a moment of enlightenment one day. And it said, <laughs> be a Patriots and Yankees fan. With the Yankees, I was Alex Rodriguez fan. I liked him on the Rangers. And then when he signed with that, you know, humongous contract with the Yankees, you know, I'm going where A-Rod's going. So, so Yankees fan. And then I remember sometime in grade school, I really don't remember the exact moment. It was uh, – I forgot. It was one of my sister's friends was talking about the Patriots and everything. And I was like, well, I like football and that's my team. And so, <laughs> and that, that's when it happened. I'm trying to remember what, uh, what year did the Patriots and Eagles Super Bowl happen? Is that 04? So, yeah, so, no, 0304, so, something like 0304, that. 0304. Yeah. I remember watching. Uh, some of the Super Bowl at the rec center. I don't remember why I was up there, but I remember it was yeah, the 04 season, 04, 05. And so I had to been nine, not ten, nine or 10 at the time. 
I was like, that's my team. I've been been with them ever since. I thought now from the way you you framed it, I guess we've always kind of thought me and our friends that you've been a Patriots fan forever. Yeah, ever since I started liking football. That's definitely strange, and so, I mean, we don't share that fandom, but we do share a fandom of our, our beloved Tennessee Vols, and, uh, oh, man, it's been a rough decade. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty rough. I mean, I've always liked the Vols since I was probably about seven or eight or nine, too. Told you about my cousins being big volunteer fans, and that's who I used on NCAA football, and all the way till it ended, and I liked watching them and and all that. They weren't too bad. They had some. They had some good years, but you no, know, maybe maybe things will look up. I don't know if we'll get to watch. Maybe they'll start college football in October or something like that. But it'd be interesting to see what our program does with our coach and everything. You know, I'm still a little. I wanted Mike Leach and everything, so yeah. I, I'm interested to see what he does down there in Mississippi. Well. I hope he's doing well. Right now, he's on. He's he's in hot water. Yeah, yeah. That was probably. I mean, not not the best picture. You got to think a little bit. I mean, he didn't mean it, or he says he didn't mean it. I mean, in any derogatory way and everything. But you know, with the state's history and everything, I can see how a news could could uh yeah. could offend some people. I hate it for the podcast. We're big Mike Le- Leach fans over here. Uh, me, me, too. me too. Something else. Something else. He is. We're also big Herm Edwards fans. <laughs> Just by the fact that the guys coaching college football is amazing. Yes. And I don't know more so about me, but I just love the meme of it, of it becoming a part of the show. Big Coach O fans. We love Coach O. I, li- I like Coach O too. He's... I thought it was funny when uh, CDC down there in Louisiana was putting him in commercials so people would actually listen to the the government and everything. But I like Coach O, too. He's something else. Hey, if you're in Louisiana, you're going to listen to Coach O. The guy just brought you a national championship. (laughs) I mean, you're not going to listen to anybody else. But I'll tell you what. I would say a pandemic – what happened as soon as we get a quarterback that we're all excited about and, like, we don't get a season of his freshman year? Uh, it would happen. But, I, I, man, it's another meme. It's become a bad meme. as a me-hating Butch Jones uh, for really – he really put our program in a tough spot. Oh, boy. And, I mean, just think about it. the guys over now. He, he's basically Nick Saban's servant over there. I don't care what title he's giving him. He, he's out there getting Nick's coffee. He's out there getting his dry cleaning. He's out there getting his car washed. He, he's doing all that. So, I really just hate the fact that the program got brought down, and I still have faith in Pruitt. But again, this this is the same faith. That brought the program down. I still had faith in Butch. And, I mean, the faith was deservedly so. I mean, we had winning seasons. We had pretty good guys getting drafted. We had Dobbs. We had Barnett. We had Reeves Maven. Sudden. 
Kamara. I mean, we had all those guys. And then, you know, just to see all this happen, all this transpire, it it's sad. Yeah, a lot of talent went to waste. It did. And you're seeing a lot of these guys that were at the pro, like Emmanuel Mosley with the Niners. The, the guy was just okay at best, went undrafted. Next thing you know, he's starting for the 49ers. And he's doing good. So, like, it really hurts. And also, Kamara, talking about players that were underused, I knew when he went to the Saints, like, oh, yeah, he's going to be used perfectly in that offense. Like, Butch didn't know how to use him, so I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping. I that, mean, then even think of, I mean, like, I thought of, like, Jalen Hurd. I mean, yeah. think of how good he did as wide receiver, tight end, whatever he was. Yeah. At <laughs> Baylor, I mean, he had almost 1,000 yards receiving, and he rushed some for him. I mean, just think of, I mean, the way, I mean, he was, I thought he was a decent running back his sophomore season for Tennessee, but, I mean, Heck, you could also put them down there tied in or something. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of, like you said, a lot of talent went to waste. Thinking yeah. back on it with Butch Jones as our coach. Yeah. You you mentioned her. The guy was close to breaking Tennessee's all-time rushing record, too. See, that's crazy. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And he goes on and becomes a wide receiver at Baylor. And he gets himself drafted in the third or fourth round. Yes. I mean, so we had talent all kinds of places and just you know we couldn't capitalize on it because of our leadership yeah and really a lot guys did not develop guys did not buy in and you really kind of saw a bit of that at the beginning of this past season and really those guys got kicked to the curb those guys that weren't buying in those guys that were causing a mess they got kicked out and afterwards i think you start to see a little bit of stability, a little bit of players buying in, and some players improving, and some actual coaching. I think that's the thing with Pruitt. The guy knows. He's been he's coached at Bama. He's coached at Georgia. He's coached at Florida State. So I trust him a little bit to know the talent when he sees it, and also to get these guys ready and get these guys prepared. So I, I'm really hoping that, you know, coming off of, Last season, you know, the horrible start against Georgia State. And then you get the loss at BYU. It's like, oh, there's no – I'm thinking at that point, this team wins three games, four games max. Yes. And it's really sad to think about. And then they make this turnaround, and I don't care about the talent level of the teams that they won against. They had trouble beating – they didn't beat – Georgia State at the beginning of the season. So I'm if they beat a Vanderbilt, I'm fine. We lost to Vanderbilt three straight times. That's not supposed to happen. So I'm just I'm hopeful that, you know, whether we get the season this year or whether we have to wait, I'm just excited to see what he does in his third year. See if there's a bit of a jump. And right now, look at the recruiting. I mean, there's a lot of three stars on there, but there's a lot of top-level guys interested in us. So, I dare say if we get a good season, you know, a nine-win season, regular season, I think you might be starting to see us maybe kind of inch towards us coming back. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I remember seeing towards the end of 
man, at the end of the season. What we were we're gonna be like top twenty five twenty five preseason, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> and so I mean I really thought that we finished the year pretty good and everything. So I mean I he's wasn't the coach that I wanted, but Yeah. He, he did a whole lot better finishing the season than we definitely did starting the season because we know how terrible the start of the season was. Everything we beat some quality opponents and everything got some good recruits coming in and all that. So I mean, I definitely think that on the way up. I mean, anything. I mean, we're we're down at the bottom. So I mean, yeah, and everything, especially after our one loss, just what Georgia State loss and and all that. Let me tell you what. After that Georgia State loss, I was given the option not to appear on the podcast that week. Because, like, I mean, you losing against Georgia State as a blue blood program, that's not a good look. And, I mean, uh, and then coming back later on in the season, I'm I'm feeling like, yeah, this team looks pretty good. They're improving. They're developing. I'll tell you what, though. I'm going to miss our boy Jawan Jennings. He's a beast. He's under underappreciated i think in college football he's a whole lot better than what people realized he went through a lot i'm just really hoping that the Titans get to draft him have, uh, have you seen anything like that in a mock draft yeah in the mock drafts i do oh yeah i wonder why i mean of course i'm gonna mock to uh, mock us to him uh, i mean i want him on the team he would bring a, a good amount of toughness he'd do what you want I, I love him. Uh, like, I'm going to miss him. But I don't know. And, like, of course, you had what happened with Georgia State. And then just last week, when I was rambling on and I was trying to talk about Tennessee and could they be good, I was like, and Matt's like, no, you can't. No, Tennessee will always be terrible. And so, like, <laughs> it, that's just the way it goes on this podcast, Grant. Tennessee is viewed as terrible and will never, ever be good. Uh, that's just not fair. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I do, I do talk about them a whole lot, a whole lot of Butch Jones references on on here, too many, for my liking. But eh. I just looked, I, I just looked at Juwan Jennings forty times. Did you know that it's a four point seven two? I think, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was that not, slow. <laughs> well, I think, I think I knew he wasn't. He's not fast. That's not his game. The guy is more of a possession wide receiver. I just didn't think I that, didn't think he was that slow. He's he's more the Anquan Bolden type of guy. Where he's tough, you know what you're getting out of him, he's gonna make catches, and he's gonna do his job. So I don't know. I'm hoping that the Times get him. Now if your Patriots get him Need, I can't bring myself to him, <laughs> me liking him on the Patriots. They're going to have can't. They're gonna have to do something. I can't. Well, let's talk about your Patriots for a quick second. Let's bring it back all the way to them. So, of course, Tom Brady, no longer a Patriot. Now, right in the early days of free agency, when you got when he got the news that he signed with Tampa Bay. Boy, were you feeling the effects of that? Yes, it was the actually 
when it was surreal, it was when he said announced he was leaving the Patriots, and uh, it was one of the last days of school, and I was just standing out in the hallway in disbelief, and then there's this other teacher at the elementary school, and her and her husband are humongous Patriots fans just like me. They even named their son after Tom Brady and everything. And then here she comes, she comes walking, she's crying, going to the bathroom. And she said, I can't believe this just happened. And I didn't believe that it was true on Twitter. I had to go pull it up, uh, go look and Wingo, I think. I was listening to ESPN radio. And I was just in disbelief that he was actually leaving the Patriots. And so, I mean, I, I didn't expect the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at first. But, I mean, yeah. it makes sense. And everything, so I mean, I'm I'm happy with it. I just couldn't believe that he left, and to hear that actually he made the decision to leave the start of before the start of last season, probably after the Super Bowl, where you know where they had a Patriots coach come out and say in an article that that they can win without Tom Brady, and they can still win many more Super Bowls without him, and stuff like that. I just couldn't believe it, but I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we didn't think it was going to be Tampa Bay. I think. So. I thought it was going to be the Chargers. See, and see, that's where I thought as well. Because there's weapons there too. Now, of course, they lost Melvin Gordon, but you still got Eckler. You got Hunter Henry. You got Mike Williams. You got Keenan Allen. Some good and that deep. And the defense is good. You got Bosa. You got Ingram. Derwin James is, so, is really good. Desmond King. Guess maybe their offensive line played a, maybe a big factor in that maybe and maybe having to play against that bad man in Kansas City maybe had a, a little bit of impact. I'd probably rather play in the NFC myself. Yeah, of course there's an option that he he could have gone to be a Titan. Yeah, I like that actually a lot. That was been I mean I definitely would have went over to uh, Nashville to watch him play. Yeah, I mean, but at the I yeah, it makes sense. Tampa, you look at it. So, Ronald Jones came on last year. You got two good tight ends and OJ Howard and Cameron Braith, and then Chris Godwin has made a name for himself. And then of course you got Mike Evans. It's like, that's a pretty good offense right there. And then you got his good friend, his coach. Other familiar players that have been in the Patriots system that got stolen from the Patriots and stuff like that. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. But, yeah, I remember you were texting me. Like, you were – you. Were, I knew it was going to be like that. But I think when it, the realization set in, it was like, oh, man. Yeah, it, it, it like, it hit you hard. Yeah, it's, it's pretty shocking. But I'll be cheering for the, for the Bucks as long with the Patriots. So I guess where do you where do the Patriots go? Do you think they stick with Sidham? I've seen some reports, and you know it's just from New England fans that they really think that that he's the real deal and everything. And you know I've seen some some maybe we'll take for Trevor Lawrence. I mean I wouldn't be opposed for to that, um, and everything. But I mean I think. If he's been around this long, we haven't signed anybody else. That Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels have enough confidence in him, and if they have enough confidence in him, then I definitely do. 
But I guess it, we're going to see what they do on draft day to see who they get in there to compete. I've seen a couple of sleeper people that uh, I don't forget. I was reading all about some maybe later, not not like the top five quarterbacks. It was like round maybe 10, 10 inch. I forgot where he came from. Maybe that the Patriots really liked and everything. But I don't know. I think they'll get somebody definitely on draft day. Well, I think they will too. They're picking at 23, which is high for them. I think, and uh, for me, I'm looking at where they are now and what the Patriots do. They love to trade down. Uh, the Colts have two early second-round picks. Maybe do a deal with them, get a couple more picks, and maybe add some more players. I mean, you guys are needing some wide receivers, 100%. some tight ends. You lost some key players on defense, like Cal Van Noy. I've seen also they might try and trade uh, Joe Tooney to to the Lions to get some more draft capital as well, going to full rebuild. Oh, and oh, yeah, that- and then that's picking up some steam and everything. Well, I'll tell you what: in early mock drafts, I like. There's no way the Patriots can be confident in Jared Stidham, so. I had the picking Jordan Love in the first round. See, I do not like that. He threw way too many interceptions for me to get on board with. And later, and more recent ones, I've had you guys wait on quarterbacks and then, like, pick 100 in the third or fourth round. You guys go pick Jake Fromm. That's what I was about to say. Maybe Fromm. I don't know, maybe – uh. Dang, who was the other person? Oh, I was—I saw them talk about Nate Stanley from Iowa. Yeah, you know who I think wouldn't be a bad pick. I think it'd be really interesting to see what Belichick would do with them. Jalen Hurts. Uh, I was hoping you weren't going to say him. <laughs> he could fall around to their picks and everything. You know, he's athletic, skill set. He's got a big arm. And he wants to compete. He's got leadership and other intangible qualities that Bill Belichick would like. But I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what he would do. Going to the draft. All right, so we're getting a virtual draft. It's basically fantasy football now. And that's really funny because, as we know, during fantasy football, a whole lot of things can go wrong. I mean... from, I don't know, picking on, like, a kicker in round one. That can happen. <laughs> or uh, I saw Scott Van Pelt point this out. Like, what if a team has a bad storm, severe thunderstorm, and they lose internet? They lose electricity. Ooh. And he pointed out, he, he used this team as an example, the Jaguars. And the Jags are telling all the teams in the league, hey, guys, we got to pause the draft. We don't have any internet. <laughs> uh, so... I'm really intrigued to see how that works. So, I'm I'm assuming you know, Bengals they're gonna go with Joe Burrow at one. Did you not? Did you hear about? I mean, was that true? What came out today about Joe Burrow? I don't know. I haven't seen anything about Joe Burrow. They said. I mean, what I've seen on Twitter, they said that Joe Burrow told the Bengals that he would rather they not draft him. Well, I know there's been a rumor going around that the Dolphins have been... Of course, the Dolphins, they got a lot of picks. They can try to move up and go get them. But I don't know. 
And that's the crazy thing, of course. And, and this time, you can't work out prospects face-to-face. And so, the whole Tua thing comes to life. How are you going to do that? See, I'm and not the biggest so, Tua fan, honestly. Well, it's sounding like the Dolphins are more so leaning towards Herbert now. More so than Tua. And from what they've said, Herbert, he's done really well this whole process. Uh and so that might be more of a reason. There's still some concerns about Tua. Some teams have said he didn't interview necessarily well. And that's a, I mean, that's a big part. Considering the climate we're in now, not interviewing well, that might play a big part. And so I'm really interested in seeing how these teams draft. I think you're going to see the teams that we know that draft really well do awesome. But also the teams we know that suck at drafting completely blow it. Uh-huh. Browns will, wouldn't surprise me if they do something stupid. Um, yeah, that, I mean, of course it's Cleveland. We love make fun, making fun of Cleveland. Everybody does. And so, of course, the whole losing internet thing would happen to Cleveland, too. It, it, it would happen because it's Cleveland, but... I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the draft? Well, I seen a thing uh, the other day. It says the, that the Patriots haven't drafted a pro bowler in like the last seven or eight drafts. Oh, crap. And it's saying like, what's going on with the Patriots drafting system? But, you know, we won three Super Bowls like out of like the last seven, eight years, how long it is. And so yeah. just wondering if the Patriots, I mean, especially a wide receiver, we cannot draft a wide receiver save our lives. I'm just wondering if the Patriots can finally draft someone that maybe the pro bowler and stick and sticks around. I mean, that's what I just couldn't believe that, that stat that like we have the longest other than I forgot who, what the other team was without drafting somebody that eventually becomes a, uh, a pro bowler. Now the good thing about this draft, if you're the Patriots and looking for a wide receiver, this draft is deep at wide receiver, so I think you can find some pretty good ones later on. I mean, you guys took Nikhil Harry early last year, so yeah. you might not want to do this. I'm just wondering if the Dolphins, you know, actually, do they have enough assets to uh, make that big trade and maybe get somebody else or something? Well, I don't know. I think there's going to be some trades. I think at three is where you might see a trade with the Lions where they might try to move back, get some more picks, and still draft Akuda from Ohio State because they need a corner. They just traded Darius Slate to the Eagles, so they need somebody there. But uh, I don't know. I'm really excited to see how this draft plays out. This is nothing that we'll ever see, again, I don't think, with the NFL. No. I want to know how wild the Raiders are going to get this year in this draft. Oh, oh man. It, it's going to be insane now. <laughs> I remember Schefter proposed, hey, let's do a round of the draft each night. See, I like that idea. I was on board, too. And, you know, we, we talked about it. It was like, well, how many people are really going to be tuning in to see draft seven uh, or round seven? Well, at this point, with no sports, probably a lot of people. 100. Because, I mean, what else are they going to watch? I want to know who the Buccaneers are going to draft. Do you think, I mean, they got the 14th pick. They got to draft a, uh, a tackle or 
Yeah. Or something. They need to protect their what they just got and the how you're just saying, how are the Patriots, you know, how are they gonna start the post Tom Brady era? I'm just it's it's a lot of crazy stuff going ha- gonna be happening next year. It is. I think the Bucks do take a tackle. Uh it depends on where they go. Now the Giants could take one at four. But then again, they could take Isaiah Simmons, which I think they'll do. And then I think you start to see the first tackle taken with the Cardinals. They don't need a wide receiver anymore. They they got DeAndre Hopkins now. So they're fine. And so I think you'll start to see a run there. And then I think they'll get whoever's left on the board at 14 and uh, just take them. Because, I mean, you got to protect Brady. You signed the guy for a reason. 100%. All right, I guess the last thing I want to talk to you about is NBA. Here's the funny thing. You don't really have an NBA team. No, if I had to pick one, it'd probably be the Mavericks. See, that's what I'm thinking. Is that you love Dirk. You kind of panned in your shot after him, your fadeaway. <laughs> and I like Doncic. I was kind of blown away. I was reading uh, some trade scenarios last night. And, you know, all the stuff that came out with the Jazz. I seen that maybe the Mavericks would be a landing place for Rudy Gobert. Oh, phew. and then you'd have Gobert, Porzingis, and Doncic, and they'd have to give up uh, their center and Tim Hardaway, and then a twenty twenty five first round pick. And then how good do you think that team would be? I think that team would be good. <laughs> I, I think it'd be legitimate. And with Porzingis, you're you're not relying him on rim protection. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. And so Gobert would fill that need. I I mean I think Gobert's going to be traded. I mean I don't think that relationship is salvageable now. Yeah, I mean I really like the Jazz too because I just like their play style, I like their coach, small market. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, but Mavericks would definitely be my team if I had to, I had to pick one. Now, of course, shortened season. There's a couple of interesting debates going on. One of them, of course, uh, was Rookie of the Year with Zion and Ja. And I, I'm basically resigned to the fact the season is go, is probably going to get canceled, and that that and that makes job the the rookie of the year. I'm going. Uh, I'm going with Zion, Ryan. All right, so give me your <laughs> oh, reasons why. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, I think anybody that said Zion honestly is an idiot. They just got you know too caught up in the hype of Zion, and so I mean I didn't think it was close. I mean 100 percent should have been job. But I know I've seen I've seen a lot of people saying Zion, and I thought it was crazier. Some of the people saying he's one of the best college basketball players ever, too, and just stuff like that. They just get too too caught up in the stuff in his in the hype. Well, this is where ESPN contradicts himself. They're on the Zion hype train for Rookie of the Year, but he's not the best college player basketball best college basketball player of all time, according to you know whatever tournament they did deciding that. So, like, they're kind of being, you know, they're contradicting themselves a little bit. But, I mean, be honest, I got caught in it, too, that first night he came back against the Spurs. I'm like, oh, crap, this is amazing. I haven't seen anything like this. Yes, I I was impressed. But, But at the end of the day, you gotta play some more games, man. Yeah, missing half the year. I mean, 44 games. 
He's only what played in twenty games or something like yeah. that. And so I mean, I just don't think you have Ja, and he's playing. He's basically played the full season, and you see where they're at. They they were in the eighth seed. Now, regardless of what you whether you think they would have been swept by the Lakers or not. Getting them to that eighth seed, the eighth seed run in the West, I couldn't believe how well the Grizzlies were doing overall. And so, with that being said, I mean, I don't think there's no doubt that he should be leading the Rookie of the Year. I think, and just by the fact that the, he was getting some All Star hype too, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I was I was impressed with him in leadership and, and everything. Hold on, Ethan. Who did you think deserved Rookie of the Year, Zion or Jaw? Jaw, for sure. Atta boy. And say, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, just got too caught up in hype with Zion. I mean, I just, I don't know. I gotta see much. I gotta see much more for from him for me to say he's already an All Star, Rookie of the Year, and all that. Yeah, and let me tell you the one thing. Now, this is part of me getting into the whole LeBron tampering thing. It's seeing Zion and Ja play in the rookie challenge and seeing them team up. It's like, all right, let's go get Zion in 2025 free agency. Let's go. All right, Ja, begin to tamper. So, like, I was getting excited for that. Uh, seeing them play, seeing all the, the what Ja was doing, throwing dunks to Zion. I, I even love the freaking mini dunk contest they had at the end of the game. I just got to see. I just think he's too much hype. I mean, for me, I just can't see his game lasting and his athletic ability with his frame. And I just feel like some of the players were just kind of scared of him or something. I mean, he don't got the. He had a few nice passes when I was watching him, but he's gonna have to develop an outside shot because you know how the game it's all about space because you know threes are more than twos and yep. if you had the space then your best player has an iso and and all that so i mean i don't know i just still think he's way too overhyped i mean a lot of people bring up sean kemp when they talk about him and i i see that and of course a lot of people bring up chuck they bring up barkley and i see a lot of that too so i don't know we'll see I want to see what he does with a full season. I mean, I think if you want to hype somebody up, you need to hype up Luka Doncic. I mean, what, he's 21, year old, 21 years old. He's averaging 29, 9, and 9 in his second year. Yeah. I mean, that's unreal. And he's decent three-point shooter. He's only going to get better. But 29, 9, and 9 at 21 years old. You'll probably, if he keeps up with his triple-doubles, he'll break the record. I mean, he could. I'm just thinking about that division is loaded with young talent. You got Luka, you got Zion, Ja, Jaron Jackson. Who who knows how long the Rockets will stay good. But the future is looking bright for that division. Uh, It's going to be nice. I'm just curious to see what the Spurs do going forward and and everything. I mean, like LeBron, his 21 because he's averaging 31, 7, and 6. My, my boy Luke is averaging 29, 9, and 9. That's unreal. Yeah. And people aren't hyping him up. I see a bunch of people saying Trey Young's better. That's another player I think is too overhyped. I don't think he's better. I I, I think Luke is better. 
and then think of where his team is in the standings compared to arguably the worst team in yeah. basketball. Uh, yeah. I, I got I got to several uh, Facebook uh, discussions, and a lot of people have Trey Young over Luca, even though Trey Young's averaging thirty nine and four, and his team is like worst worst team statistically. I mean, wins wise. Yeah. Uh, now, I will say this about Trey Young and the Hawks. I do like the pieces they have there. I think there's something there. But they're not there yet. Luka no. is. And and Trey Young's field goal percentage. I mean, 43%. He takes a lot of shots, too. Yeah, he does. I'll tell you what. But, yeah, that division, realistically, you could have an all-star team of Ja, Luka, Brandon Ingram, Porzingis, and Zion. That's it's, nuts. It's a beast. Yeah, bring up Ingram too. The guy made the All Star team this year, so like he's looking good. So that division is packed. So there's another there's another debate. Who's gonna win MVP? And LeBron was picking up steam before the season was halted. Do you think he would have won? I mean, in my opinion, yes. Who who do you think? I mean. Uh, Giannis, I mean, I, I don't think it was close, in my opinion. <clears throat> think of where LeBron had the Lakers. I mean, I think they're the best with the best team in the NBA. Giannis has got to make it to the finals or something before I'm real big on his train. But, I mean, LeBron leading the league in assists at, what, 34, however yeah. old, 35, averaging close to 30 points a game, 26, 8, and 11. Yeah, I mean, I know his free throw. I mean, it's unreal to me how he can't hit a free throw and everything. But I know. No, I definitely think LeBron was the MVP leader. He, I think he did, he earned, he deserved it. I mean, you bring up the assist part. We know LeBron is more so magic than Michael. And but just seeing him do this at this age, I think you would expect him to do it when he was a whole lot younger. But like the fact he's doing it now, like you said. It's incredible. Like, you, you can't imagine something like this happening. No, 100%. I think the Lakers probably would have ended up winning the championship. I don't know. Uh, I definitely, uh, think, I definitely so too. think so, too. Now, like, I picked the Clippers over the 76ers. And so, I mean, the Clippers, they, I mean, let's be honest. It was, the West Finals was going to be those two teams. Between the Clippers and Lakers, I don't know. I I still had a little bit of faith in the Clippers, but I think the Lakers probably would have ended up winning if they were if they won the West Finals. They would have beaten the Bucks. And then I honestly I don't think that series would have went more than five or six. I just not that big on Giannis as a lot of people. Other people are. I mean, when I think of a healthy Steph Curry and a healthy KD, I think Giannis yeah, is the fifth best player. I and mean, that's another argument I got to with people on Twitter was where does Giannis rank? A lot of people had him freaking number one. And I was like, I mean, for me, it was LeBron, Kawhi, KD. I mean, I hate to say it, but I, mean, I still think healthy Steph Curry. I mean, think of his two MVP seasons when he's fully healthy. I had him at number four. And then I had Giannis at number five. I mean, that's just my personal ranking as of right now. 
I think just the fact that we're even talking about Giannis, where he is right now, that's incredible. Like, people had trouble pronouncing his name when he got drafted. He got drafted 15th. And the fact that this skinny kid, who's also grown some inches, he was, like, when he came out of the draft, he was, like, 6'7", or 6'8". He grew, he was, like, 6'11", 7 foot, and, like, he's bulked up. I think the thing for me is he needs to get that three-point shot. If he does, then he can be really unstoppable. And so I'll tell you that's what, what I got to see. And him, actually, I know this season they're winning games. But I know I told you before that was my big thing with him. He couldn't get past the sixth seed in the East. And I was like, it's the Eastern Eastern Conference. Yeah. Why, why can't you get better than sixth seed in the East? And he's on his seventh or eighth year. It's been the league for a little while. Yeah, yeah. I will say the East was a whole lot better this year. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Uh, talking about teams in the East, the Raptors, seeing where they were, it's unreal to me how good that they've been doing. And freaking see Pascal Siakam looks even better this year than last year. I heard them uh, say earlier before I came on the pod. I forgot it was might have been the Stephen A. Smith show. I'm pretty sure. Or somebody had Stephen A. Smith on, and they said to them, and his improvement in two years is the best anybody's ever seen in NBA history. I mean, I just, I, I can't believe they're forty six and eighteen when the season ended. Second yeah. seed. Yeah, it's an inc- it's incredible. You lose Kawhi, and then you have that record, and Pascal takes another jump. It it's incredible. But uh, I'll tell you what, I don't know. I really wish we could have seen how the rest of the season got to play out. But, uh, you know, I hate it. Now, one thing I saw, and this kind of spooked me out. I think this was fake. But I saw Bleacher Report post, like, you know, a which Zoom call would you want to be in? And I had this group of players. And I hope this was fake. But I saw... One with Steph, Clay, Draymond, Steve Kerr, and Giannis. And I'm thinking if Giannis goes to the freaking Warriors, I like. I think if he teams up with Steph Curry, like it's insane. I mean, think though, where the position they're going to be in this next season, and they could maybe get the the number one overall pick. And I know it. Why not trade it to the Bucks and then, bam? There's no, there was no need for Steph to come back this season, or and Clay, no. Clay wasn't gonna be able to. I mean, it shows how over uh, valued I think Draymond was. I mean, I always thought yeah. he was overrated and everything, but and that team would definitely be unreal. I mean, it would. I don't think they would. I think they will trade the number one pick, partly because this draft is weak. Uh, really, there's no players you look at as like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be surefire all-star. There was one player that, I mean, I don't know, when every time I watch the dude play, and can you guess what player I'm talking about? This is the dude from Dayton? Not the dude from, uh, from Dayton. He played in the SEC. Oh, wait. Is it uh Edwards? Yes. 
when I okay. when I watched him play run, I couldn't believe some of the stuff he was doing and how confident he was. I mean, Anthony Edwards, I was blown away by him. The the games that I watched him play. I mean, I think I mean I don't think he'll be the ranked number one. I think he's I think he's top three though. I mean, I haven't seen any NBA mock drafts, but I think Anthony Edwards is gonna be the real deal. I mean, speaking of the top three, the one player that's in it, freaking Lamelo Ball. I, he he has grown up a lot. I mean, I've I've watched his highlights and and stuff that he's done. I mean, he's gonna be. He'll be interesting to see. I've seen a lot of people say they definitely think his like floor is to be in a starting point guard, and then a lot of his ceiling they have him a whole lot higher. But yeah. in this mock draft I'm looking at right now, they have Anthony Edwards going to go and state. I mean, yeah, I mean they could em- Golden State could emphasize on that small ball a whole lot more. And say, so, I mean, they in this one I'm looking at, they have Lamelo Ball going to the Hawks. I just don't see how that'd work out. Yeah, that that would be tough. I really don't know what the Hawks would do in that case, but yeah, this draft is weak. You are right. I mean, like looking at some of the names and stuff. Look, and hearing people talk about twenty twenty one, it's a whole lot stronger. Uh, from what I've heard from this draft is like, hey, if you have a need, you fill it in this draft. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, Going to Lamelo, it's so weird. But at the same time, you bring up some good points, and also the dude owns his own team now. See, I like that move. You know, they're in financial crisis, and then he buys the team and all that. So I mean, I don't. I like him a whole lot better than his brother. I think his brother not that good, and I think he's a bench player and everything. I just can't see him. I thought that the Pelicans played worse with him starting. And everything, but I like I definitely like Lamelo better than his brother. I'm I'm going to be interested in see how he works out. I want to see the Levar dynamic. I really do. Hopefully, he stays quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know Leangelo signed a G League deal with the Thunder, and so I don't know. Levar says he wants to see Lamelo go to New York. Yeah, I, I've seen that. I, that right now, this the one I have them getting Cole Anthony and so I mean I wasn't that big of a Cole Anthony fan. I know he was coming back and North Carolina was gonna be a dark horse and the if they could make it to the tournament it'd been an interesting team to see and everything. But I I like you said, this draft is weak. Anthony Edwards is the only person that I'm curious to see. I mean I even like the OB guy from Dayton, I still think he was good, but I mean I don't think he's on Anthony Edwards level to me. I'm curious to see how James Wiseman does. I mean I hate that the NCAA did what they did to him in Memphis. Yeah, I think that could be another good fit with Golden State. Get a center in there. And see, the one I'm looking at, they have him going to Minnesota. Man, oh, that'd, man. It'd be interesting to see with him up there. But, I mean, it's, it sucks not having the NBA to watch. I mean, it does. Like, I've seen on Facebook, people put on 2K, they have the computer play against each other. <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been playing some 2K, doing some different things myself. Get bored, just... I like going on blacktop and getting different uh, eras and playing against each other. Now, I think the one last thing before we end the pod, they move up the Jordan documentary up. 
Yeah, even my dad wants to watch that, and he doesn't really watch too much stuff anymore on ESPN. And so he's very, you know, he was a bull. At first, he would, he loved Larry Bird. That's it. That's he was Celtics fan growing up. But then he did he he did like Michael and Pippen, yeah, and all them at the Bulls. And my mom watched the Bulls in the nineties because my dad enjoyed watching basketball so much and everything. So I mean, I, we're both excited to watch that. I'm glad they real they pushed it off. I'm I'm ready to watch it. It gives us something good to watch. Yeah, I've been watching reruns on NBA TV and ESPN and and all that. I mean, it's been it's been pretty boring. I was even watching some soccer stuff this afternoon. I mean, I'm I'm excited about that. You bring up your your family. Uh, I my mom i think like was as far as the celtics lakers rivalry goes she liked the celtics she liked larry my dad was a big larry fan as well i also think he was a big dr j fan as well uh but yeah going back to that era i'm really excited to hear these interviews it's gonna be a lot of interesting stuff come out about everything that maybe people didn't realize i know and i i love these documentaries i love whether it's Stuff like this, or if it's 30 for 30s, like, give me some more of this. Give me some more good 30 for 30s. Like, one of my favorites is the Lakers-Celtics one. And I was watching that a couple weeks ago, and, like, I enjoyed learning about it. It's, it's insane, the thing about how good those teams were back in the day. They really kind of brought basketball back to – a state where it was popular. I mean, the thing I didn't realize was just how good the Bulls were, and like during their heydays, you know, they were number one in offensive rating, but also like number one in defensive rating. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's crazy. And I know, like, my my dad's favorite player on that Bulls team was not uh, Michael, or was not um. Uh, Pippen, but it was Dennis Rodman because, you know, he did all the dirty work. Yeah. Great defender, great rebounder, and everything. And, I mean, yeah, and, of course, that stuff goes all the way back to his bad, his bad boys days with the Pistons. I mean. You know, he went to Central Arkansas, too, so, I mean, it's not too far away, you know, yeah. from Southeast Missouri and everything, too, and everything. And, yeah, the bad, bo- the bad boys are something else. Yeah, it's too. it's crazy. I I'm thoroughly excited about this. Uh, I'm really glad, again, they pushed it back up to April 19th. Yep. So, yep. it'll give us something to watch. It'll give us something to discuss. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, like, again, we don't have much sports to talk about, but that'll be fun to certainly dissect. I saw one article uh, talking about, you know, some players were underappreciated. So, I wonder if this documentary will kind of, Show us how players are underappreciated, how and what players are underappreciated. I, I hope we'll see it. Yes, I th- it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, Grant, I think that's going to do it for us here, man. Uh, after at the end of every show, I kind of close out. Uh, you know, where can people find you at? So where where can they find you at, my man? Crozel. Oh, now what'd you say one more time, Ryan? I thought you no, we're on Twitter or what are you asking me? Yeah, on Twitter, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm on on Twitter. You know, G Marshall or G underscore Marshall seventy one on Twitter. 
I post a lot of sports stuff, and you can also add me on Facebook or on Snapchat or Xbox Live. So any of those. <laughs> Hey, uh, Xbox Live, we need that right now. Uh, that's right. That's my life right now. Like I said, you know, the 1 a.m. is the is the new, like, 10 p.m., so I'm staying up every night until 5 a.m. Basically, I sleep my day day away up all nights. But I appreciate you having me on, R-Dog. Enjoyed it. Man, it was good having you back on. Let's do this again sometime soon. Hey, sounds good, man. All right, guys. That's going to wrap it up for this pod. You can go check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you guys get your podcasts. You can also get on Anchor, and thanks to Anchor for sponsoring this episode, as they always do on views and entertainment. And again, guys, we'll be back later this week with our NFL draft preview, doing our mock drafts right here on the pod. That being said, guys, thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next time.